What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. I'm David Brody. Thanks for being here. It's Wednesday, March 3rd, 2021. Today, we bring you an exclusive interview. And look, I know, I know you're thinking it's my mother. Sorry, hate to disappoint you. I'm still trying, by the way, for that one. Instead, we have the second best person, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. That's right, he's going to be on the show today. He was a hit down at CPAC in Orlando this past weekend. Actually, he made the top five on that CPAC 2024 presidential straw poll. Not too shabby. He's no nonsense for sure. He did not abandon Donald Trump after January 6th. So the MAGA faithful love him for that. We're going to speak to him about politics, foreign policy uh, under the Biden administration, and our culture that is spiraling out of control. So buckle your seatbelts. I love that phrase. Also today, Andrew Cuomo. Oi, Gavolt. Does anybody have an Excedrin? Can he survive? He came out today, said he would not resign. He got a bit teary-eyed, but hey... He first had the nursing home death scandal, right? Now, of course, all the sexual harassment allegations. I mean, what's making matters worse for him, here's the problem. Even Democrats are turning on him in New York. And guess what? Even today, the liberal media, believe it or not, piling on him and the Democrats. That is a bad, bad sign. Where's Joe Biden? Eh, I don't know. Can't find him. Oh, I forgot this as well. He has a lot of enemies, so that doesn't help either. We're going to unpack it all. And so much for Nira Tandon. She's gone, done, finito, finito, finito. I like that word. The Biden administration nominated her for budget director, but they are now directing her exit stage left. Actually, stage far left. By the way, her vicious social media tweets caught up with her. That was the problem. And the Biden administration knew she couldn't even get 50 Democrats to support her. So they said, you're done. You are political toast. But first, our exclusive interview with former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Now that he's out of office, he has landed a couple of pretty good gigs. He's now senior counsel for global affairs at the American Center for Law and Justice, the ACLJ, and also distinguished fellow at the Hudson Institute. And by the way, Madison, I just want to say I'd like to be called distinguished anchor. Uh, of the water cooler, if you don't mind. Hopefully, we're going to get a title change. Uh, anyhow, I've known Mike Pompeo for a while now. I've traveled with him to Kuwait and Israel in the last couple of years. And I got to see his America First priorities on display right there on the world stage. And that's where we begin our conversation. Secretary Pompeo, great to see you again. Really appreciate you being here. It's great to be with you as well. Thank you for having me on. Well, let's talk about the Biden administration. Uh, what's been kind of a top concern of yours, maybe disappointment, call it whatever you want, but as it relates to this first 100-day period that you've seen so far? You know, the big picture challenge is that they just think about America's place in the world so differently than the Trump administration did, right? We had America first at the center of everything we did, our task. My duty as a Secretary of State was to protect and defend and make prosperous the United States of America, first and always. Uh, and when we did that, good things happened around the world. We were a force for good. Uh, this administration seems to have a different set of priorities 
they're going back into the Paris Climate Accords, and it looks like they want to go back into the joint, the JCPOA with Iran. Uh, th these are not things that are good for American workers, American people all across different walks of life, and it presents a real risk to the United States if we get it wrong. Uh, Secretary Pompeo, I want to ask you about Israel for a moment. I have to tell you, I, I thought of you uh, the other day when I, when I saw that Biden had not called Netanyahu for, what was it, at least a month or so, more than a month? I'm not quite sure, but I, I thought of you thinking, what in the world would Mike Pompeo think of that? Specifically, what kind of message do you think that sent uh, to Israel exactly? We worked so hard and made such enormous progress building out a concept for peace in the Middle East. And that include our amazing friends in the Jewish homeland of Israel. I work so closely with Prime Minister Netanyahu and his and his whole team, and and we all did uh, to create what became the Abraham Accords. They they were premised on a central understanding that that Israel had a rightful place and that Israel had the uh, responsibility and duty to protect its own people, mm -hmm. and that if they did that, if we did that well, and we supported Gulf states in their efforts to take care of their own countries, and we pushed back against the central threat to Israel which is in fact the Islamic Republic of Iran's regime. If we did those things, these countries would come together. We saw that it was amazing. These Abraham Accords are historic. Yep. And, uh, and, I, and I hope that they remain. I hope that uh, the Biden administration can see that this is something that they should build on. There's more work to do. And it would be a great legacy for them if they could continue to grow peace and stability in the Middle East. Unfortunately, it appears they're going back to appeasing Iran as a central understanding in the Middle East. I, I wanna to get to Iran in a moment. Uh, as for Israel, this the Trump administration, uh, pro-Israel, no brainer, no fact check needed. What about the Biden administration? Are, are you concerned that they will not be pro-Israel, if you will? I do worry. Historically, it's been bipartisan. It hasn't been a Republican deal or a Democrat deal. Mm -hmm. uh, Americans understood that Israel was this special place. Uh, that we all knew and loved and was a great security partner and a great economic partner on top of all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, this administration was awfully slow on the draw with respect to Israel. We know the history of the Obama administration where uh, they didn't do right by Israel in so many ways, certainly with respect to security uh, versus the threat from Iran. I hope this administration will take a different course of action. We too, we, we shared the desire for a better life for the Palestinian people, but we knew that you couldn't allow the Palestinians to have a veto on peace and stability in the Middle East. And so yeah. we moved on, we moved out, we continued to execute our plan and, and we did that. I hope this administration will treat Israel in the way that it deserves and its people so desperately need a good friend here in the United States. You just mentioned the, the word appeasement uh, to a degree uh, when it comes to Iran. Uh, do you believe this Biden administration is in the appeasement business when it comes to dealing with Iran? So far, they have taken a terrorist organization that is underwritten and sponsored by Iran, the, the Houthis that exist in Yemen, uh, Iranian-backed, to be sure. No one disputes that they're terrorists. No one disputes right. that. And yet they de-designated them. We saw last week that they gave a wink and a nod to what appears to be uh, enormous financial relief to the Iranian regime. We put massive pressure on the regime, and it looks like they're going to allow billions of dollars in wealth to go from uh, South Korea and the IMF into Iran and essentially uh, take a foot off the stranglehold that we had on the Iranian regime. This is not a good start. And when they, when the administration said they wanted to go back into a conversation, into negotiations, the Iranians said, no, we're not ready to do that uh, because they think they believe that if they uh, resist, they can get yet more concession, more appeasement. I, I hope that's not the right direction. There are Americans held hostage 
There's a missile program. Yeah. There's an active set of violations of the JCPOA that threaten the United States and Israel. We, we need to be strong. And when we're strong, the Iranians will respect that and it will deter terror from that region. Sounds like you're concerned about appeasement for sure. Yes, I am. Yeah, for sure. Um, on China, I, I need to ask you, at the end of the administration, you seem to be hinting uh, about where this, specifically where this Wuhan uh, virus, this China virus came from, possibly in a lab accidentally or whatever the case may be. Do, do you still hold that view? So what, what are you thinking about that now in terms of evidence that you see? So I actually wrote something that appeared in the Wall Street Journal, I think it was last week, along with Dr. Miles Yu, uh, who worked with me at the State Department. And we outlined a part, the piece that is non-classified, about what we know about where this virus came from. And there's three things that we can say for sure. First, we're very confident that it came from Wuhan, China. Uh, even the Chinese don't dispute that. Yeah. We know the actions that were taking place in the Wuhan lab. We know that there's evidence that there were individuals working there that became ill at the end of 2019 and something that had a set of conditions that could well have been the virus that has now spread across the world and killed millions of people. We know that the Chinese Communist Party has prevented anyone from knowing where this originated. Even the WHO investigators who went in were denied the information they needed. Mm -hmm. So with the data and the cover-up, uh, there is ample evidence to make the claim that the Chinese Communist Party owes the world an explanation and to make the case that it didn't come from this laboratory. Yeah. So at this point, you're saying you're, you're not sure either way whether or not it came from this lab? Nope. We don't know for sure, but there's ample evidence and uh, a cover-up that probably is worse than the initial problem set inside the lab that we know, right? We know mm -hmm. we know these Chinese labs that were doing this mm -hmm. bio-research have had escapes before. Mm -hmm. and we know that they were working on things that uh, were of the nature that could have led to this. So we have ample mm -hmm. evidence. We can't say for sure. I'm afraid we may never know for sure, David, uh, mm -hmm. but the Chinese Communist Party must be held accountable for denying the world access to making sure we understand how this happens so that we can prevent something like this from ever happening again. I want to ask you about religious freedom, obviously something that you took over uh, at the State Department and really marched the ball forward on for sure with the ministerial conferences, many of them. Uh, what do you make of what the Biden administration is doing now on religious freedom? There were some, I mean, uh, the, the Uyghur Muslims, I mean, there were some, some uh, comments by Biden the other day that just were, were head scratching. Uh, what's your take on what this administration has been doing on religious freedom so far? Well, so far they haven't done much and I will concede it's early. So I want, I want to give them the opportunity to get this right. Uh, but the mm -hmm. United States under President Trump and the team that I built out, Governor Brownback, Ambassador Brownback, who was working on religious freedom as the ambassador for religious freedom, really advanced the ball all across the United States of America. We held these huge events. You call, you referenced these ministerials. They yeah. made progress on religious freedom all around the world. And in Western China, what's taking place uh, to these Uyghur Muslims and what's happening to Christians throughout other parts of China uh, and the Falun Gong, all, all these religions are being denied these basic fundamental rights to practice their faith. The United States has a responsibility to uh, Americans and to people all across the world to make sure that any individual who wants to exercise their personal faith has the right to do so. 
That is Mike Pompeo here on the water cooler. Don't worry, that was just eight minutes of Mike Pompeo. We're just starting here on the water cooler. We've got at least five, six more minutes with him. We're going to do that in the next block. He's going to talk about politics, all the political implications of the future of the Republican Party. And we've got to talk about Donald Trump. Donald Trump would want us, I'm sure, to talk about uh, Donald Trump. Uh, he's also going to talk about uh, Mitch McConnell, Nikki Haley, some of the folks that, in essence, abandoned him after January 6th in terms of what happened on that day. And he's going to talk about the Judeo-Christian fabric. Whoops, my bad. I said Judeo-Christian fabric of our country. What is big tech going to come get me? Anyhow, we talked to Mike Pompeo about that and multiculturalism and all the isms that are going on in America. Mike Pompeo very concerned about all of that. More with our conversation with the former Secretary of State in a moment. Back in a moment. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. It says The Water Cooler with David Brody, but actually today it's The Water Cooler with Mike Pompeo. We have an exclusive interview with the former Secretary of State. And you know, hey... 2024, Mike Pompeo, he could run for president. He's thinking about it. All right, he, he's not going to say that publicly, uh, but we all know he's thinking about it. Uh, and we're going to see what happens with that. It's something I asked him in this second part of the interview, along with uh, the Judeo-Christian fabric of America. He's a Christian. He wears it on his sleeve, not afraid to talk about it. Uh, so we get into that. But we start with politics, specifically Donald Trump, the future of the Republican Party, and the Republicans and conservatives who went against Donald Donald Trump after January 6th, all part of our conversation with Mike Pompeo. Mike Pompeo, I want to just transition to a few political questions and we'll be done. Uh, CPAC over uh, this last weekend in Orlando, a rave reviews coming uh, after your speech. Uh, you actually finished in the top five of that, the old CPAC straw poll. Uh, what's your sense uh, as to where the conservative movement goes, where you potentially may go uh, in 2024? I know you're going to say the 2022 answer. I get it. I know. Uh, but but there's a lot of folks that would love to see you potentially run for president. Uh, where are you on that? So, David, we just got to make sure that this movement continues. It's something that's been in my heart and in uh, my family. Uh, we're, we're conservative believers. We are Christian uh, followers of Jesus. And I want to make sure that our party, the work that we do, continues to build on the glorious legacy of the conservative movement. And I saw that. It was a lot of fun to be down in Orlando this weekend. It's normally here in Washington. Mm -hmm. um, I vote Florida. Uh, it was a, a wonderful place to be with great people. I had a chance to say some things that I couldn't say when I was Secretary of State. I was able just to let it rip just a little bit more uh, and talk about America first and the work that we did and why mm -hmm. it matters and why that path is the right path forward. There'll be lots of people who want to contend to lead this movement. We need each and every one of us working together to help build it out. And 2022 does matter. Today, the Democrats are in charge of uh, both houses of Congress and mm -hmm. the White House. That is something that will work to the detriment of the American people. 
You know, speaking of letting it rip, uh, here we are. Uh, you know, look, uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, there's been some other Republicans as well, and Nikki Haley uh, have been critical of this president, or uh, as of uh, Donald Trump, the president, uh, when it came to January 6th. Um, what, what do you say to folks like them, other Republicans, who, who have tried to distance themselves from this president uh, as it relates to, to that day and, and possibly even beyond in terms of the, the future of the Republican Party? President Trump built out an enormous legacy. If you look at the work that we did, and then you look at what conservatives think about that work, this is the path that America needs to head down. I don't understand it. I, I, I must say, you use the term head scratcher. It is an enormous head scratcher for me when uh, people waver about the legacy of the work that President Trump and our team did for these past four years. Uh, it's the right direction. It's the direction the conservative movement needs to continue to head. And when I see Republicans step away, and not embrace what it is is right for the American people and for our movement, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, and when you say head scratching, you're talking about Republicans within the party that are trying to, is that what you're referring to? Yes, exactly. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me. The, the, the work that we did, we had people back to work. We had mm -hmm. borders that were secure and sovereign. We had people working diligently to make sure that we could practice our faith wherever. We, we did all the things that are the historic understanding. We built a Department of Defense, a military that was strong, yeah. and we loved our soldiers and our veterans. Uh, that's the right direction. It's what President yeah. Trump did. Yeah, I, th I think the concern, I think from some people, aren't so much the accomplishments. I'm talking about the Mitch McConnells and Nikki Haley. I think the concern was how January 6th uh, happened. I think that, that might be more the concern, so I don't, I don't know. You're, you're taking. I, I, I watched January 6th unfold. It was an enormous security failure. I know a lot of people who were down there. We had friends from Kansas call us and say, we're coming to Washington on the 6th. Yeah. There are people from our church back home. Those are folks who just wanted to come express uh, their enormous disappointment with the outcome from the election and the fact that they weren't giving up. They were still in the fight. And I want to be alongside them. I want to be with them in that fight. Uh, as we wrap up here, there was a tweet you put out. You got some hits on it. I'm just curious what you meant by it about multiculturalism. Uh, you know, you know, the liberals love to take swipes. And you, you mentioned how uh, you said multiculturalism and all the isms. They're not who America is. They distort our glorious founding and what this country is all about. Uh, what did you what did you mean by that? I think a lot of people, conservatives would agree, but I, I think the liberals probably took it out of context. David, the liberals always want to snark at you for when, yeah. you make, when you make a simple statement that is America has this amazing tradition. It was it was not a founding that was wrong, and we don't want to divide. They want to they want to talk about groups and this group and that group. We we want an America that has a central understanding of freedom and love, and this idea that we 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 love America. We love the founding. We love the idea that if you work hard and tell the truth and keep your faith, that you can be successful, America. And we want that forever. We don't want to divide by color or race or anything else. We want every American to have that same opportunity. And so I, when I hear these isms, when I, when I see people focus so much on subgroups of subgroups of subgroups, I know that they're aiming to divide and not to build. And that's the wrong direction for the United States of America. And if we wrap up the spiritual question, of course, you know, got to ask you the spiritual question, which is where is this country from a spiritual standpoint? I mean, if you say Judeo-Christian values today, or this nation is a Judeo-Christian uh, nation, uh, you know, liberals will call it hate speech. I mean, they will. I mean, you know, they're off the rocker, but that's what they'll do. So, so, so what has happened to this country as it relates to the from a spiritual standpoint? Two things, David, I know for sure. I know he's watching over us. This is a very special nation that I have been so privileged uh, to grow up in and to be a part of. It's given me so much and so many people so much. 
and second, uh, those of us who believe that, those of us who understand the founding and understand the Judeo-Christian traditions of the United States of America have every responsibility to be bold, to speak about this, to be proud of this heritage, and to continue to build on it. And when we do, those voices will be heard, and America will continue to be the greatest nation in the history of civilization. I'm, I'm very confident of that. Mike Pompeo, always great to see you, sir. Thanks Thank so you, much. sir. Have a good day. Mike Pompeo here on the water cooler. All right, uh, we're done with Mike Pompeo, but guess what we're not done with? We haven't even started. It is time for the poll of the day. The water cooler poll of the day. All right, here we go. That's Mike Pompeo's voice, isn't it? No, it's not. All right, who deserves more credit for the development of the COVID-19 vaccines? The Trump administration gets 31% of the credit, according to this poll. The Biden administration, I'm sorry, don't make me laugh, 17%? What did they do? I'm confused. There, there wasn't even a vaccine when they were, oh, don't get me started. And then 52%, a whopping 52% say, actually, give the credit to the companies and scientists who developed the vaccine. And of course, that's true. I mean, clearly, now the Trump administration clearly sped up uh, the timetable, though Democrats and liberals will say that wasn't the case. They actually heard, uh, blah, blah, blah. Give me a break. Bottom line is, if you look on the record, I'm not making this up. This is a fact check, straight up. The vaccine, the first vaccine came on the watch of the Trump administration. That doesn't need a fact check, Washington Post. Back in a moment. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. It's great to have Mike Pompeo on the show for the first couple blocks of the show. And, you know, continuing the ACLJ theme, you know, Mike Pompeo with the ACLJ now. Hey, let's just keep going. Why not? We're on a roll. Jordan Sekulo with, wait for it, the ACLJ is here, the executive director. Uh, Jordan, always great to see you, sir. Thanks for having me, David. All right. So let's talk about H.R. 1. Um, there's been a lot of conservative criticism about this bill. Apparently, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, they clearly love it. And they love it so much, they called it H.R. 1. What's, what's, what are the big concerns? What do people need to understand about this bill? Well, I mean, I think obviously knowing that it's not, no longer about COVID relief and they try to now it's an American rescue plan. So it's they've even kind of rebranded it because it doesn't make sense because only a small percent of the bill actually goes directly to issues that were involved COVID so that the parts that are popular, getting more relief, stimulus checks out to people, pension reform, um, uh, reform on evictions, things like that, that are pretty bipartisan, okay, we could all agree with, and would have passed a long time ago. Why are we still at this point where the House passed a piece of legislation, H.R. 1, that the Senate can't, couldn't even just accept if they wanted to? Because their parliamentarian said under this rule of reconciliation, to get around the filibuster, which this would never be able to get 60 votes to do that, um, you can't do a minimum wage increase to $15. But you got Bernie Sanders saying that we should fire the parliamentarian or have Kamala Harris come in as president of the Senate, which is her job as vice president, one of the jobs of vice president, 
and overrule the parliamentarian, which mm -hmm. is, there's not really precedent for, but the Senate can make up its own rules. We learned that through impeachment trials. So there's that part, David. Then there's also the, the amount of funding to abortion. There's no Hyde Amendment protections in there that stop our taxpayer dollars from going to fund abortion. They've taken that all out of this budgetary, uh, this, this nightmare, if you will. And we'll, we'll ultimately see what the Senate comes up with, and then it has to go back to the House again. And this is just delaying real relief to American people. Yeah, for sure. And, and yeah, and so what you're talking about, obviously, is this COVID bill is really their number one priority. Uh, and, and you wonder if it's even going to, uh, they're, they're going to push this through. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, yeah. The question is, is how, how liberals are going to be at this point, right? Yeah, how, how bad is it? You know, are, are we going to get back in Hyde Amendment protections because of moderate Democrats like Joe Manchin? Are we going to, so that they, they, they just have to keep that, which has been in all these budget bills uh, for decades. Uh, that you're not going to force Americans to to fund abortion. That's all. It doesn't make abortion illegal. It just means you're not going to fund. You're not going to force Americans to fund it. Uh, and and that's not there. That protection's not there. And of course, just the the, the massive amount of money. The the idea that they want to do the minimum. The, the that's still a lot of people are still learning. Uh, they they're acting like that is dead in the Senate unless they take some extreme measures. I think Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema will be able to block this and and water this down mm -hmm. but i think you know as we're on the water cool i think that's what we're talking about is how watered down does it get not how bipartisan it becomes right and so th there's that priority a number one priority for the biden administration and then there's as we were talking about hr1 uh, and i want to put up hr1 specifically because this is what uh, nancy pelosi and, and and the folks have passed in years past they want to expand access to the ballot box uh, that sounds a bit dangerous. Democrats would say it's not dangerous at all. They say, you know, it's the Republicans that are scared of this bill. But I know there's concern about dark money uh, in here and also about, uh, you know, there's there's quite a bit of other other things as well. So yeah. uh, I'm just wondering what your take on uh, on Democrats, in essence, trying to change the election structure of America from a federal standpoint. I mean, th this is this is crazy stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, in, in in our history, there's been very limited times where the federal government has been able to step in on anything election-related because of the way the Constitution is written, and that ultimately these are so, supposed to be decided by the states. The Voting Rights Act was one is one of those laws, and most of that has been re repealed either legislatively or the Supreme Court's come in and said, too long you've applied this to these states. These states have moved on. They've done the right thing. We no longer need to be involved with the federal government. This is a time where they are – when they say expand access, they mean how many more people that are be unverified voters, how much more ballot harvesting can we do through outside groups that aren't, aren't the actual state, um, how many signatures do we not have to verify, yeah. and, of course, the, the, the universal mail-in ballot, this idea that we'll just send them out, which if you have moved, lived in a couple places in the last 10 years, since a census at least, mm -hmm. uh, you received live ballots at places you no longer vote in. I got them. I had a lot of people showed that. Uh, that, and they weren't just requests for a live ballot. They were the actual real ballots that, yeah. that were just sitting around in mailboxes. So that's what they mean, unfortunately. And it, it makes you sound like you're you're somehow against uh, you're, you're somehow disenfranchising people when you oppose this. Yeah. And that's exactly what they want is language that makes us sound like we're trying to disenfranchise voters when in sense we're just trying to protect people's votes. Well, that's right. Jordan, now, before we let you go, I, I want you to tell me a little bit about a brief that you over at the ACLG, you folks filed. Yep. Uh, it's about basically, well, explain it, but you're urging what the Supreme Court to extend greater protection uh, in essence against the threat yep. to First Amendment rights from cancel culture. So what we explain saw this. is yeah. that, that there are only three states, the federal government does not require 
nonprofit groups to disclose their donors, even in a private way, to, like to the IRS. So the federal government doesn't do this, but California, New York, and Hawaii have started to require this, and they've used percentages and 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 different things applied to different groups. So California did it, and these these groups they 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 uh, complied with the law, but California had no confidentiality protections in. So they built a website using college students and contract workers that wasn't secure, that they say was hacked, but really anybody could get access to. So if you donated to a conservative group, that people were getting death threats and and uh, they were getting contracts getting canceled, canceled culture. So uh, what? And the, the California didn't say, David, oh, we're sorry, we messed up because this became public. They're defending this in court. It's Javier Becerra. The attorney general who is now the of California, wow. who's the nominee to be HHS secretary, which is very controversial. And California says, no, uh, we don't have to protect this information. We, we can actually put it out publicly if we if we want to. So this is going to be a huge test. The Supreme Court's taking the case. Are you go, could you could your states force conservative groups and liberal groups to disclose their donor information? What that will do to stifle speech? I mean, think about what that would have done to stifle yeah. speech during the civil rights movement, the Supreme Court stepped in and said, no, you can't force the NAACP to release their donor list. They should do the same thing again here. Well, that, that, that is a case to watch for sure. Jordan Sekulow, always great to see you, sir. Thanks for coming on the show every week. We really appreciate you. Thanks, David. All right. Uh, Jordan Sekulow, uh, executive director with the ACLJ. And by the way, uh, it kind of gets to a longer issue here, a longer story, which is, wait a minute. If, if you donate to some sort of group and all of a sudden there's not protections involved in terms of having access to your information, well, guess what? In cancel culture, they could easily come after you. I say they. Who, who's they? You know, the federal government or in this case, the state of California. It just depends. Anyhow, that is scary, scary stuff, especially in the America that we live in today. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to Liz Harrington uh, about quite a few things, including Andrew Cuomo. Can he survive? It's not looking good, folks. Back in a moment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to The Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, we talked about at the top of the show how uh, Andrew Cuomo is in hot water. Uh, and guess what? Apparently he's going to stay there uh, because he's not going anywhere. He said today he is refusing to resign. He says, wait, got to, all the facts have to come out. Uh, he did nothing wrong. Or he said he's, he, I can tell you specifically what he said. He said, uh, I apologize for whatever pain I caused anyone. But he said, hey, I never touched anyone inappropriately. He says he wants all the facts to come out. So that's his story. Apparently, he's sticking with it. Uh, we'll see uh, if he survives. Uh, he's clearly in the doghouse. Uh, we put him there uh, here at the water cooler. Uh, not only have we put uh, him in the doghouse, uh, th th there he is, uh, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, I think he's going to stay there for a while. I don't know about you, but uh, leave it to us at the water cooler to literally put people in the doghouse. All right. Uh, you know who's not in the doghouse? Liz Harrington. Uh, she's the uh, former GOP national spokesperson. Uh, person, editor-in-chief of War Room. Liz, great to have you back on the show. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. Well, this is the, um, I, was, see, I was about to say Mario Cuomo again. I, I'm dating myself. My gosh. The Andrew Cuomo double down. I mean, he's not, look, he, he, did we really expect him to kind of like slink away? We didn't expect that. 
No, but I think it's far more interesting that all of this is coming out now, really a year too late, mm -hmm. because really he should have had a microscope under his administration the second he was sending uh, seniors back into nursing homes with COVID, positive COVID test results. That's where the media should have been all over him. That's when people should have been coming forward. That's when uh, he should have gone down. And we'll see, he says he's not going anywhere, but it's because the Democrat political machine, all they care about is the ends justify the means. And that would have hurt them politically in an election year. That would have hurt them when they were busy trying to steal 2020 election. So all of this was swept under the rug, whether it's allegations of sexual assault, whether it's the absolute disgusting policies that they had that led to tens of thousands of seniors dying. All of that was dismissed. I mean, is Andrew Cuomo going to return his Emmy now? Is he going <laughs> to stop selling his creepy art uh, that he profited off of during this pandemic? I mean, he's got so many issues, but the real problem is that this didn't come out uh, before, and now it doesn't even really matter at this point to a lot of people in New York. No, it's it's pathetic, uh, you know, and, and where's Joe Biden? Can, can, can someone tell me, I mean, where, where in the world is Joe Biden on this? This is, the, the, hashtag me too. I, I, it, it just shocks me, maybe not rhetorically, maybe it doesn't, uh, sarcastically, but I mean, I don't know, he maybe goes for a nap and then he goes to bed at seven. I, I, he's not speaking about this whatsoever. Now, the media, Liz, on the other hand, uh, they were very slow, as you might imagine, to say anything. Now they're finally starting to say a few things. Axios, as a matter of fact, is pretty uh, liberal uh, out there. Uh, they're actually out with talking about Democrats' hypocrisy. Uh, as a matter of fact, here it is. Uh, this was from Mike Allen's Axios report this, today. Uh, Democrats' hypocrisy moment. And they say Governor Andrew Cuomo should be facing explicit calls to resign from President. And this is the liberal media saying this. Uh, they say from President Biden on down. If you apply the standard, the Democrats, and they go on. Anyhow, your take. Well, absolutely, if they had a standard, but they don't, clearly. Where is Joe Biden? Where is he, period? I mean, what is he doing? <laughs> he can't do any interviews without Jill Biden being there, Dr. Jill Biden. Uh, excuse me for, for getting wrong. <laughs> Come on, Liz, get your facts straight, please. For 40 days, he hasn't done a presidential press conference. What happened to democracy dies in darkness? He can't even stand up there and take any questions, which we know they'd be softballs, from the press. I mean, he's pretending to be the president of the United States. When is he going to start acting like it? When is he going to get out there? I mean, President Trump would do it for two hours on end with all of the attacks coming in and answer all of the tough questions. He'd always have an answer. He'd always have a straight one. Biden does it. They don't even pretend. They're just doing this government regime on autopilot. Uh, all these people behind the scenes making the decisions, and Biden's just the puppet. But he's not going to call for Cuomo to resign. He doesn't even no. know where he no, you're absolutely right. He's not going to call for that at all. Um, I want to move over to HR one uh, before we let you go. This is obviously the the big one. I, I say the big one, literally. <clears throat> excuse me, the number one. Uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats have been doing this for a while now. They they want access. Uh, they they call it. I'm sorry. Expand Americans' access to the ballot box. I'm reading it like that, Liz, because it sounds. So wonderful, but hold on. There's a lot of stuff tucked inside that bill, and and it, it's HR one for a reason because this is the whole ball game, is it not? When it comes to in essence federalizing elections and doing a whole lot more in this bill. Absolutely correct. This is why it's number one for them. They want to make permanent 
the stolen election of November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. That's what this bill is. This is what Nancy Pelosi, all last year when she was delaying checks to Americans, when she was uh, flying in from San Francisco and blowing up the bipartisan negotiations for the CARES Act, this is what it was about. She was trying to slip this in. This would nationalize ballot harvesting, which is voter fraud. It would uh, ban voter ID at a time when it's critical to get election integrity. This blows it all up. This makes it permanent what the fraud we saw in Fulton County and Wayne County and Maricopa, Maricopa County. But mind you, Arizona, they're finally going to get to the bottom of it. It starts today. 2.1 million ballots in Maricopa County are going to go be gone through one by one. That's what we need to do for elections, not this monstrosity. We really need people to act and mobilize against this, call their senators. If this passes the House, we need to get the Senate to stop it because this would destroy elections and we'd never have a free and fair one again in this country. Well, I guess the good news at this point, even though it's a Democrat-controlled, technically a Democrat-controlled Senate, uh, it's not going anywhere. They're going to need 60 votes for this. Uh, they can't do this on reconciliation. So that, that it's not going to happen, right? We still need to, I mean, we they have no standards. We've been over it again and again, right? Yeah. They'll try to find ways to slip this in and different aspects of it. It's True. so, so dangerous and we have to stand firm against it. Yeah. All right. Liz Harrington, all, all the best. Really appreciate you coming on as always. And, you know, I'm, I, you're such an introvert when it comes to these issues. I never know where you stand. So thank you. Just kidding. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, Liz Harrington, uh, not... An introvert, uh, for sure. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, we like having her. I'm sorry, let me correct that. We love having her on the show uh, for a lot of different reasons. But uh, she is in the know. Number one, she uh, operates from a very important set of facts that the mainstream media. I'm sorry, I always get sucked in the mainstream media. The liberal media uh, just won't talk about, which is interesting in and of itself because the media loves to craft storylines. That's what it's all about. It's a latte-sipping echo chamber out there. And how can conservatives break through all of that? It's the Acela Corridor, as they say, New York, D.C., and the latte-sipping liberals. That's what it's all about. Back in a moment. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Time for ka-ching. It's my own sound effect. The last sip. Thank you very much. And by the way, I do ka-ching because normally in television you have to pay for sound effects. But if I just go ka-ching, you don't have to pay for it. It's free. So you're welcome. Not that you had to pay for it. Anyhow, the last sip. Mike Pompeo on the show today. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, just go rewind the tape. I know it's 1975 when I say rewind the tape, but go back and look at the interview. Uh, as I pat myself on the back, I thought it was a pretty good interview. Uh, he was at CPAC uh, this past weekend, and he did very well on that CPAC straw poll about who should run for president in 2024. He came in like top five. Of course, Trump was uh, number one. But then after that, Mike Pompeo was like at 7%. So that's pretty good. And, and let's take a look at this uh, this poll that we put up a couple times this week, but I want to bring it up 
up again because uh, if you read the polls, says other than former President Trump, which of these Republicans would you most trust to run for president? Uh, look at Ron DeSantis. He's at 21%. That's not surprising. Governor of Florida, yeah, he's been like, give me a break on COVID with the, with the relaxation of the rules. Uh, Ted Cruz at 18%. That's uh, to be expected to a degree. Nikki Haley was a bit surprising at 10% based on some of the flack that she's received by uh, traditional MAGA conservatives. And there he is, Mike Pompeo at 9%, uh, percent, uh, which if you think about it, uh, makes quite a bit of sense. Uh, during this time uh, with Donald Trump and the fact that uh, he has stood by Donald Trump's side, uh, not just for uh, all four years of the Trump administration, but after January 6th, there's kind of a delineation uh, line, a delinea delineation mark, if you will. Uh, and there are certain uh, Republicans, Mitch McConnell, uh, Nikki Haley, some others, quite a few others who said, I'm pretty much done with this, uh, the, the way he, they believe he behaved and all of that. And so they kind of uh, had some strong words for him specifically on January 6th about what happened. Mike Pompeo, however, did not. As a matter of fact, in our interview today, uh, he stood right side by side with the president, uh, the former president. Uh, and as a matter of fact, in the interview uh, earlier today, he basically said that the people that were uh, protesting the election on January 6th, he said, I'm going to stand alongside, those were his words, alongside uh, those folks that came on January 6th to protest the election. And so look, that's going to make him uh, more appealing, more appetizing to the MAGA base. Now, uh, you know, obviously the presidential election a long time away. We'll see what happens. This is Trump's party. Uh, you can cry if you want to. <laughs> Look it up, Gen Zers. Uh, but the bottom line is, it is Trump's party. However, Mike Pompeo, get ready. He could have a 2024 presidential run in him. Oh, and by the way, did I say these, uh, these words or this name? Christy Nome. Watch out for her. She'll be on the water cooler soon. Back in a moment. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Big story today. Andrew Cuomo speaking, saying he's not going to resign. Uh, Sophie Mann uh, with us, the anchor of Just the News AM. Sophie, big deal today. Big deal. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. what we're going to do right now is take a look at some of the most shocking uh, moments from Andrew Cuomo's press conference that happened a little bit earlier today. Mm -hmm feel uncomfortable um, and uh, in the workplace. Were you, were you also speaking to New Yorkers, Governor? Oh, to New Yorkers, I uh, am saying that um, I'm embarrassed by what happened. Uh, my, I wear a pin. That says uh, pride, integrity, performance. That's, that's what it says on the pin. You can't read it. Pride, integrity, performance. Uh, so I'm embarrassed that someone uh, felt that way in my administration. I'm embarrassed and hurt, and I apologize that uh, somebody who interacted with me felt that way. Uh, again, uh, I didn't know at the time. 
you know, here's the thing. Can I just say, sorry, where's my soapbox? But real quick, sorry that they felt that way. Yeah. You know, real, I'm really tired of that. Mm -hmm. I'm really tired of that. I mean, if you're going to take responsibility, take responsibility. Sorry, okay, now back to the news. Well, you, you know, know, this is something we've seen a lot of from Andrew Cuomo the past year. I mean, e even a couple of months ago at a coronavirus press conference, he, mm -hmm. it seemed that he was blaming the elderly for dying in the nursing home. Right, I remember that. Blaming, um, you know, the the poor families of those individuals for feeling sad that they had died, blaming everybody but himself, mm -hmm. turning everywhere but inwards. And yeah. I, I don't know that this press conference was so terribly different than what we've seen in terms of his deflective performance over the past 12 months. Yeah, and, and, and you know, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, I, I can't I can't imagine he's going to resign at this point. I mean, he says he's not going to resign. No, but he says he's not going to resign. I mean, I think there's people looking to take him on, so we'll see what happens in 2022. Yeah. But. Yeah, for sure. And well, he's losing Democrats in New York, so that's a problem. That's true. So if he could, just the news AM, 9 a.m. Eastern. 9 a.m. Eastern. Tomorrow we're doing a full Cuomo show, so join us then. Come on. It doesn't get better, I mean, in a way, than a full <laughs> Cuomo show. You're doing the whole, well, I don't want to talk about the full Monty, but the full Cuomo tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern. All right, thanks. <laughs> I need to stop talking. Uh, all right, that does it for us uh, here on The Water Cooler. Uh, Mike Pompeo, we appreciate him being on the show uh, today. Tomorrow, Pastor Brian Gibson on the show and quite a few more folks. <laughs> See you tomorrow.